Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So alhamdulillah we are on the 22nd day of uh, this series. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept. Let us start with the recitation uh, from the Quran. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim. وَيَوْمَ يُحْشَرُ أَعْدَاءُ اللَّهِ إِلَى النَّارِ فَهُمْ يُوزَعُونَ حَتَّى إِذَا مَا جَاءُوهَا شَهِدَ عَلَيْهِمْ سَمْعُهُمْ وَأَبْصَارُهُمْ وَجُلُودُهُمْ بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ وَقَالُوا لِجُلُودِهِمْ لِمَ شَهِدْتُمْ عَلَيْنَا قَالُوا أَنْطَقَنَا اللَّهُ الَّذِي أَنْطَقَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ وَهُوَ خَلَقَكُمْ أَوَّلَ مَرَّةٍ وَإِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ وَمَا كُنْتُمْ تَسْتَتِعُونَ أَنْ يَشْهَدَ عَلَيْكُمْ سَمْعُكُمْ وَلَا أَبْصَارُكُمْ وَلَا جُلُودُكُمْ وَلَا جُلُودُكُمْ وَلَكِنْ ظَنَنْتُمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَعْلَمُ كَثِيرًا مِمَّا تَعْمَلُونَ وَذَلِكُمْ ظَنُّكُمْ الَّذِي ظَنَنْتُمْ بِرَبِّكُمْ أَرْدَاكُمْ فَأَصْبَحْتُمْ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ فَإِنْ يَصْبِرُوا فَالنَّارُ مَثْوًا لَهُمْ وَإِنْ يَسْتَعْتِبُوا فَمَا هُمْ مِنَ الْمُعْتَبِينَ صدق الله العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Our dear listeners, our dear friends out there um, Today we come to the discussion of إعجاز القرآن الكريم Now we've been talking about this for the last uh, uh, few weeks. Uh, we've been referring to the Ijaz al-Quran, that the Quran is inimitable, the Quran is a challenge, the Quran is a miracle. So now we start today's discussion um, regarding how the Quran is a miracle. What makes the Quran a miracle? So firstly, let us start with the terms as we normally do. We've got the term mu'jiza, right? So the concept of i'jaz, i'jaz, very similar, uh, or the word is uh, related to the word mu'jiza. Mu'jiza is something which has i'jaz. What does i'jaz mean? The concept of ijz in Arabic means uh, debilitation. It means incapacity. It means uh, incapability. When somebody is ajiz, right, a person can't do anything. He's been incapacitated. That's why you call a person who's ajiz, the one who is unable to do something. So i'jaz, it means to make somebody like that, to render somebody fatigued, to rem render somebody incapable, to take away their power, to strip away their power, to give them such a challenge that they cannot take it head on. That's what you call i'jaz, that's the concept of i'jaz. So the thing which does this, the thing which challenges in this way and debilitates, uh, which is unchallengeable and inimitable, is the mu'jiza. That's what a mu'jiza is now. So in many languages, you know, that um, Muslims speak, like uh, uh, Urdu um, and English and uh, Bengali and uh, uh, the various other languages, Malaysia, Malaysian, Malay rather, and uh, Indonesian, etc. You know, they use the word mu'jiza. This is a mu'jiza in the sense that this is amazing. This is extraordinary. 
But really, the way it's extraordinary, the reason it's extraordinary, the reason it goes against the norms and so on, is because it's not something other people can replicate. Right? It's not something uh, the Prophet ﷺ having water literally burst out of his fingers to such a degree that a whole army is then uh, satiated with this water. Right? Quench, their thirst is quenched with this water that comes out, just bursting out. I mean, it's a miracle at the end of the day. You know, you can't do this. This is something that just cannot be done. So this is the way they define it in Arabic. Amrun khariqun lil'ada makroonun bitahaddi ma'adam al-mu'arada. It is a matter, an affair, an event, which goes against the norms, which is extraordinary, beyond what is normal, which is, that's, that's just the event, which is extraordinary. There's lots of extraordinary events that take place. But this one, for, to, for it to be a mu'jiza, it has to be associated with a challenge. The person who's it's being demonstrated by or demonstrated for is providing a challenge of some sort, is making a claim of some sort. And then this event is being demonstrated to prove the veracity of that claim. Ma'adamil-mu'arada means without there being a response, without there being a match, without somebody being able to, uh, to do it. That's a mu'jiza. So the claim is generally that I'm a prophet. That's the claim, that I'm a prophet. So believe me, and here you go. This is a mu'jiza. This is, I'm going to demonstrate this for you, right? So uh, this is to show you that I'm definitely claiming something from beyond what is normal, normal and what is ordinary and God is helping me. And nobody's able to respond to that challenge. So there's many people who've claimed these kind of things. Here, look at this uh, claim that I've made and I'm making this claim. I'm a prophet and look, uh, this is uh, my sign, you know, this is my proof, uh, this, this is my event. But then uh, they were, it, it just fell. Uh, for example, with Musaylama, when he claimed to be a prophet and he did a few things. He took his saliva and tried, or he, I'm not sure, that, that was not the saliva one. He, put his, he took his saliva, yes, he took his saliva and he put it into a well that didn't have very pleasant water. The way the Prophet ﷺ did and the water, mashallah, became pleasant. But with Musaylama, when he did that, it actually became worse. It became undrinkable, right? It became very bad. On another occasion, the Prophet ﷺ had passed his, his hand, blessed hands, over the eyes of somebody that were hurting and mashallah, it became better. Musaylama tried to do that by his claim of prophethood and uh, he tried to pass his hand over and the other eye also uh, became uh, bad. Right? So it's Adam al-Mu'arada, the challenge cannot be met, whereas in this case the challenge has been met or it's failed completely. Now there are other words that are also used in Arabic for a mu'jiza. One is dala'ilun nubuwa, right, which is called the proofs of prophets, uh, prophecy. That it, because it's a prophet that is calling for that to happen uh, and claiming that he's a prophet and he's demonstrating something. So that's a proof of his prophecy. That's why it's also called dala'ilun nubuwa. That's why you actually have books on this subject called dala'ilun nubuwa, right? Number two, it's called a'lamun nubuwa, signs of nubuwa. Prominent signs of prophet, prophet, uh, prophethood and other words as well. All of these words are used for what, what could also in another word be called ayat, signs. Right? Ayat is a sign. I explained to you earlier 
The verses of the Quran are all a proof of the Prophet ﷺ. They're all a mu'jizah. We're getting to that point. So the word ayah in Arabic literally just means a sign. This is the proof of this. This is the sign of this. This is the ayah of this. That's why I, uh, they, they actually say that rather than the word mu'jizah, because mu'jizah is what it does, that it incapacitates something. But really at the base of it, it's a sign. But it's such a sign that nobody can bring the like of it. That's why it becomes a mu'jizah, an inimitable sign. So really, it's a ayah. It's a sign. That's why you don't actually find the word mu'jizah mentioned much in the Quran or Sunnah. The word mu'jizah is not mentioned there that it is a mu'jizah. Right? Mostly what you find is you find the word ayah, sign, bayyina, proof, burhan. Again, strong proof. That's what you find. Ayah, bayyina, burhan. That's what you actually find in the Quran Sunnah. But mu'jizah is the function of it. That it's inimitable and it incapacitates. That's why they use it. Right. Now, there are some other words where, uh, or some other ideas which are very similar. Uh, extra, you know, when you look at the fact that this is extraordinary sign, right? So what about if somebody claims to be a prophet and then, you know, he does some magic, he walks on water or... I don't know if walking on water nowadays is, uh, you know, is impossible. You know, you can, uh, uh, or does some other crazy thing like that, right? Says that they're going to levitate above the Statue of Liberty or something like that. So there are others who can also do extraordinary things, but they're, they're different. Number one, if it's a righteous person who's doing it, a person who's known for righteousness and they are doing something which is extraordinary, as is, it has happened where there's been people who have been known to be uh, one day here and at the same time they were actually observed to be in Makkah Mukarramah or Medina Munawar. It doesn't happen every day, but there are cases of people, you know, uh, which are established of people having that. Or somebody being here and then suddenly being in a very short amount of time in a place that you would not be able to have reached there unless you took a flight and the person did not take a flight. It's called Tayyul Ard. Uh, suddenly money appearing for somebody, you know, from under their prayer mat, whereas you knew they did not have the money down there. Stuff like that. This is all karamat. Now this, there's no claim on this one. There's no claim. What this happens to is that if the person is a righteous person, this is Allah's gift to them, right? And they normally can't do it at their own bidding. It's up to Allah uh, if they allow them to do it. That's what you call a karama. And the reason it's called a karama, uh, the word karama itself, and again, it's a sign, Right? It's a sign, but it's called a karama in this context because karama means divine honor. So this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving to this person as a honor for their righteousness and piety. It's not that they're anybody who tries to worship for a karama is going to fail. Right? That, that's not the point. It's just that some people Allah just gives it to them and they don't realize it until they got it. And then they're like, wow, subhanallah, you know what it is, but they can't get too excited about it. You know, it's just that they should just be satisfied and they should know it's a sign. They should not get indulgent in it. That's what the ruling say about that. So for the karama, the person who has a karama is not going to claim prophecy. He's an ummati. That's why he's got this. He's an ummah of the Prophet And he's not going to challenge people by it. He's not going to make any other claim or something like that. Then why does it happen to him? It happens to him to honor him, to show that his iman is truthful, right? And this is not a sign that... Um, you, know, you have to remember there's two aspects to this. Number one, people should not think that I need a sign like this to happen to me to know that I'm on the true faith, right? That's conviction in the heart. You don't need to be able to perform a miracle for that reason. And number two, if somebody 
who is lightly religious, you know, who dabbles in religion and then he starts doing, uh, he's able to do something like this, that also does not mean that it's a karama. You know, it could be from shaitan and, and unless it gets to a certain degree in the sense that, uh, you know, there's a proper religiosity, there's proper righteousness, then in that case, and as long as you don't get misguided by it, that's very important as well. Um, even some Sufis and some righteous people and saints and whatever who uh, sometimes did karamat, if, if they did get caught up in the karamat, they could actually lose their, their whole point of honor. You know, they can lose their whole point of honor as well. But whenever it does happen, whenever a karamat does happen to a normal person, right, um, it's uh, to a righteous person rather, and the ummati of the Prophet ﷺ or the ummati of any prophet, right, the person from the nation of any prophet, then that is actually seen as a mu'jizah of that prophet. That the reason it's happening, right, is these things would not happen to these righteous people if, if they had not followed the Prophet ﷺ. So it's because of the Prophet ﷺ that they're having these events. So that is a mu'jizah of the Prophet ﷺ, but it's a karama for this person. So this tells us that the condition for the karamat of a wali of Allah is his sincere following of the Prophet ﷺ. But the, only, the other difference then is that Prophets are ma'soom and inerrant and they can't ever, you know, uh, commit a sin. Whereas a wali could still fail, right? Even if he has a karama, he could still make mistakes. He could still make mistakes. He could actually still even end up sinning. But if he's a proper wali, then he'll stand up and make tawbah and then continue properly. Then what about magic? Magic can be done by non-Muslims, it can be done by Muslims as well, righteous, non-righteous, well, mainly non-righteous because righteous ones will not do magic because it's haram to do. So what is magic then? So obviously magic is going to be the furthest away from mu'jizah and karama, at least karama is a kind of a mu'jizah for the Prophet but through one of his ummatis, right? but he's not claiming a prophet, uh, you know, to be a prophet, the ummati is not claiming to be a prophet, whereas a magic has got nothing to do with that. Yes, it's extraordinary, strange, it's weird, and it's uh, amazing. And, you know, people watch these things. And nowadays, you know, we've had magicians online on YouTube, you know, demonstrating many different things, sometimes camera tricks, sometimes in, it's actually a very, you know, well set up ruse and so on. Um, the biggest difference between the person who does magic and a mu'jiza is that generally the person who does magic is going to be involved in sin or absolute kufr. It's going to be disobedience there because that's the only way you can actually do magic of that nature right by invoking the wrong kind of spirits to do that for you you're going to be obedient to the shaitan you're going to be obedient to the jinn that is going to do that favor for you Somet somehow you're going to have to get close and become associated with these shayateen through either kufr or disobedience and they make you do some weird things i mean the kind of studies i've undertook on the uh, undertaken in this you know, it tells you that what they, when you research this, you'll find out they make you do all sorts of weird things. Disrespect the Quran, smear blood onto the Quran, smear feces onto the Quranic pages, and, and crazy things like that. And uh, so that's what they make. It's, it's another, you can say it's another wavelength that, that's very different from a mu'jiza. It's very different from a mu'jiza. And while um, a magic is going to be something that's going to amaze people and it's going to make people go, go crazy, but really generally a lot of the time magic is something that can be done by people. 
if they know the right ways and right means to do this, if they can tap into the right connections, the right wavelengths, it's something that they can do. Okay? It's something that's a possibility that they can do. It's based on asbab. That's what, uh, however, it's never going to be successful. Eventually, it's going to fail and it's going to become quite clear what people do. And this is pretty much what has happened to many, many magicians. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَلَا يُفْلِحُ السَّاحِرُ حَيْثُ أَتَى That the sahir, the magician, is never going to be successful. Wherever he comes, never going to be successful. That is why one of the big uh, demonstrations of this we saw in the Quran. We see in the Quran several places where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the story of Musa alayhi salam, where Pharaoh uh, challenges Musa alayhi salam after he sees that Musa alayhi salam is able to, you know, demonstrate a very, very illuminated palm. And number two, that his staff can turn into a snake, right? Because that was the, they were the two mu'jizas that Musa alayhi salam was given. So then he called all the... He called all of the magicians of the town and the city and they came and they did their hypnotism, their illusions, whatever it was by throwing down small sticks and ropes and pieces of string and so on. And that seemed to people that they were, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, going around and slithering around as though they're snakes. So Musa Islam dropped his uh, major, uh, you know, his, his asa, his... his uh, uh, staff and it just gobbled up everything and none other than the magicians themselves you know who were there to try to prove a point for the pharaoh they themselves fell in prostration to the lord of musa and said this guy's got the real stuff they could tell the difference between what they were doing which others could do if they learned the trick how to do it because they were all doing it and the how the prophet musa salam, his was very special because as a person of uh, you know, expertise, you know when it's something beyond your capability. That's why they said, Amanna bi Rabbi Haruna wa Musa, that we've become believers in the Lord of Musa and Harun because this is something very special. This is beyond human capability. This is not your normal magic. Okay, so that gives us an understanding of what a mu'jiza is. Now, why is this all relevant? We're talking, we're supposed to be talking about the Quran. So why am I discussing magic and, and karama and so on is because we want to discuss today and we have been discussing for the 21 days right right now we've been discussing one of the greatest mu'jizas one of the greatest miracles and that's why this is relevant now generally a mu'jiza of a prophet right the miracle of a prophet is of two types right it can be in either one of two types so we need to try to understand what kind of a miracle the Quran is so that you really understand today. I mean, you must have heard this so many times. The Quran is a miracle. The Quran is a miracle. Well, how it is? How is it a miracle? Let's try to appreciate that. Okay, let's try to appreciate that. Inshallah, if you can remember some of this, it would be very, very useful. So, firstly, there are two types of mu'jizas and miracles that prophets can display and have displayed, rather, or have displayed because it's all happened now. There's going to be no more prophets. The first is a perceptible miracle, meaning something which is something physical, something tangible, something that um, has to be caught on camera in a sense, okay, uh, to, for it to uh, continue. That is, for example, the Isra and the Mi'raj. This was the night journey, the Prophet ﷺ, in a single night at that time, which was impossible, right, to go from Makkah Mukarramah to Jerusalem and then from there up to the seven heavens, which is still impossible today, which is still not very easy to do today, but it looks like, you know, people are trying to get up there you know, uh, uh, to someone, the Prophet ﷺ did it way before them. Right? 
That's Isa and Mi'raj. There's the splitting of the moon, right? That's another miracle. Um, the, as I said earlier, the water pouring from his fingers so that when the water was needed and hundreds of people becoming quenched by that water. Uh, small amounts of, there's a new number of incidents in the Prophet ﷺ where they had, hardly had any food and then somebody brings one pot of food and the Prophet ﷺ saying, eat. And there's people coming in and taking food and dishing out and it's not getting, it's not getting less. It's not getting less. Another occasion with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is a hadith in Sahih Al-Bukhari, Sahih Muslim as well, where Abu Huraira said, I was very, very, very hungry, very, very hungry. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he saw me, so he understood. So he says, okay, come on. And he, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had one like bowl of milk. And Abu Huraira just couldn't wait to have it because he was so hungry, right? And his stomach was really hurting because of that. But the Prophet said to him, call the other people on the sufa, all the other sahaba who used to live behind, the very, very poor ones, he said, call them as well. And Abu, Bakr, uh, Abu Huraira is very clear about this. He said, I felt what's going to be left for me if he's calling all of those people. It's one bowl of milk. What's going to be left for me? But he said, I had to do what I had to do. So I went and called them and they all came. And then he told me, and I'm hungry, you know, I am thirsty and I'm hungry. He said, can you serve everybody? So then I started serving them and everybody started drinking to their fill until finally it was just me and the Prophet ﷺ left. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, now you drink. And he said, I drank to it uh, uh, to my fill. And then he gave it to the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ finished it off. There was a one bowl of water, sorry, one bowl of milk. It was one bowl of milk. And everybody drank to it to their fill. It wasn't like, okay, you know, everybody has to drink. So, and then just pass it on. Like, Let me just drink a bit, bit, bit. No, they drank to their fill. This happened on numerous occasions, right? Likewise, uh, bringing people to life like Isa salam and uh, turning uh, soil into clay. Uh, sorry, turning soil and clay into living birds like Isa salam was doing. All of these are perceptible miracles in the sense that they, they are a physical activity and an event of some sort. The second type of ma'jizat are more rational, they're more intellectual, uh, they, they are not events as such, right? They're not events as such. This, for example, I'll give you an example of that, when somebody tells you about an unseen matter, and then that matter takes place. Isa salam, Jesus, peace be upon him, used to tell people what was in their fridges at home. What I mean by fridges in those days, you know, in their stores, in their storage at home. It would tell what, what food they had, right? So that, that's obviously information, right, about unseen matters. And the biggest of those is the Qur'an al-Karim. The Qur'an al-Karim is not an event as such. Okay, it was revealed, but, that, but that's, that's a separate aspect of it. It's the message, there's news in there, there's information in there, there, yeah, there are prophecies in there, and there are laws in there, and... There's inspiration in there and so on. Likewise, another one would be um, making a dua and the dua being accepted, as happened numerous times with different prophets. Musa Alisa made dua so many times, and mashallah, the dua was answered straight away. Nuh Alisalam's dua, the Prophet Sallallahu's dua. So all of these are also uh, the dua of a prophet that gets accepted is also a mu'jizah of the Prophet because he's displaying something which nobody else can do. That You just make a dua and it just happens. So many times. And Prophet had a huge share of all of these types. 
the mu'jiza of a prophet is going to nearly always be relevant. I mean, it's always going to be relevant to the needs of the time, the demands of the time, and events of the time. Because that's what's going to make the biggest impact. Why perform something that people won't care about? You know, why have something extraordinary happen that people don't enjoy or don't find amazing or mesmerizing or astonishing? Right? It has to have the surprise factor in there because that's what makes it special. Right? So generally, the Prophet's mu'jiza, right, for any Prophet, is going to be something r relevant to the demands of their time, something big that's going on in their time. Now, in, in Isa salam's time, it was curing things, right? So curing people rather. So Isa salam could cure the leper just like that, cure the blind invent, and even actually bring a person back to life on one occasion. Okay. Then uh, in uh, Musa salam's time, you had the magic. So that's why, you know, Musa salam demonstrated and that was better than their magic. In the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa there were many, many things, but the biggest thing was that despite that group of people, those tribes being absolutely in ignorance in terms of laws and uh, in terms of mutual harmony and that, they would be fighting with one another and they were quite very, very wild in that sense. And they were a group that had never been colonized by anybody, even though you had the, the, the Christian uh, Romans to the north, uh, you had the Persians to the east, right? And then you had some more Romans down south and others. They they had never been colonized. They were their own, just uh, had their own ignorant ways of doing things. But there was one thing that were they were very good at, right? There were one thing that they were very good at, and that was language. And they prided themselves. You know, they were very very boastful about this and arrogant about this. So they really prided themselves in their language. In their what he means by language is. What's everybody's proud about their language? Most people are proud about their language. Well, I don't know, you know. I mean, generally, people are proud of their language, you know, that speak in your own language, things like that. That this pride was different. They actually felt that their language, and it's true actually, this, this was true. Allah had given them a language that was extremely comprehensive, extremely eloquent. You know, tens of words for single ideas in, its ver in their various different shades. For love, there's about 27 or 28 words that describe the various different stages of love, subtle differences, right? For sheep, there's a whole book written on the various different names of sheep. For the, for the lion, I mean, there's, subhanAllah, I can name you a few, you know, Laith, Ghadanfar, Asad, Usama, Haydar. Uh, um, that's five names just like that, just on the top of my head, right? For, uh, in Arabic. And, and there's a number of others, as Ad-Dirgham is another one, that's number six. Just for the lion. They had numerous, you know, for shades of meaning. Um, the difference between julus and qu'ud. One of them, you know, we're just going to say he's sitting. Or we're going to say he sat up. Or we're going to say he sat down. But if you sit down, it's, um, uh, it's julus, as far as I remember. And if you sit up from lying down, you've sat up now, that's qu'ud. Or it's the other way around. Qur'ud is when you sit down from standing up. And julus is when you sit. Uh, it's got just different shades of meaning. Arabic has that. That's why it's called Arab. And the concept of Arab means from ta'ri, from i'rab. It, it means to actually articulate yourself. Articulation. To tell you 
the deep shades of what's going on in my mind through my words. There's a lot of people who have complex ideas in their mind, but they're unable to express them. They're not articulate enough. Now, Arabic is wonderful in the sense that it has these ideas built in there. And they used to actually call everybody else Ajam, that means, which means who cannot speak. Ujmatun, dumb, dumbness, like they don't know how to articulate themselves. And, you know, this wasn't just a claim that they had. This was true. Arabic is a very, very comprehensive and powerful language. Okay. And um, for a language to be like that, you know, while Arabic does have uh, words from other places, from other languages that it has incorporated, right? There are some words in there that it has incorporated, but most of the words are just built by the, the way that Arabic is structured, where you have a common concept, a root concept and a root form, and then from there you make up different um, aspects of that word, right? So, for example, I'll just give you an idea of how you can do this. Uh, for example, the word kharaja yakhruju means to uh, to leave, to depart, right? Just intransitive, just leave, you know, um, uh, for somebody to leave. Kharaja rajul, the man has left. Akhraja rajul, same kharaja is still in there, but it's just add a hamza to the beginning. Akhraja, it means to make someone leave, right? To throw someone out. Like, hey, get out of here. Akhraja, he got rid of him. Then you take it into slightly a different form and you say, Takhrij, that is to cause, it's to extract something, to cause something to come out. For example, I need to do Takhrij of this hadith. I need to go and find it and extract it from its sources. Right? Takhrij. Then you have Istikhraj, is Astakhriju. Istakhriju uh, means I want to take this out. I am, I am seeking to chain, uh, to take this out, to extract this. Taharraja, to try to get out, to make an effort to get out. Um, or to, sh to try to show I'm trying to get out. I'm not really, I'm, hey, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. You'd actually, instead of using akhruj, you'd actually taharruj, atakharraju. I'm making an effort to get out. To do something pretensively, right? Then um, there's taharaja, uh, which generally would mean mutually coming out with someone else, and there's there's other forms as well, right? Just with one root letter, you just shift it in different ways, and it gives different nuances in meaning. And you'd have to understand Arabic to appreciate that, but uh, Subhanallah, that was something that they, in poetry, they were amazing poetry that they produced, amazing prose that they produced, and various different forms of poetry they had. So that's why when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ultimate miracle, the one that's going to remain forever, the mu'jizah, the Qur'an, He made that the Qur'an, He made that the miracle. See, other prophets had scriptures as well, but you don't have that same kind of idea that it was a mu'jizah in this way. Right? It must have been amazing and beautiful, the Torah and so on, you know, the original form, which was messed up, unfortunately, right, by the people. But um, the Quran, it was the miracle that was going to be a miracle in many, many different ways. So the miracle was relevant to the Arabic and stuff, you know, because it was in Arabic. The Quran is in, you know, in Arabic, but there's uh, other things about it.
it's the Quran itself which declares itself to be the miracle. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, now look at, look at the way this was done in the Quran. This is the amazing part in here, that look at the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts challenging them and the, through the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa In front of everybody, openly declare, right? Openly declare, challenging the world, challenging the people there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and this first is from Surah At-Tur, verse 33 and verse 34. أَمْ يَقُولُونَ تَقَوَّلَهُ بَلْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ فَلْيَأْتُوا بِحَدِيثٍ مِثْلِهِ إِنْ كَانُوا صَادِقِينَ Do they say that تَقَوَّلَهُ Again, this word is from قَالَ يَقُولُ But تَقَوَّلُ That he's made this up. Remember I told you تَفَعُّلْ تَخَرُّجْ I'm trying to do something. Did he just try to make this up? That's what they say. right? Do they say that he made this up? But it's just they don't believe. This is why they don't see it. If you don't believe, you're just not going to see the reality. So then Allah challenges. Okay, they should then produce a discourse like this, if they're truthful. If they're truthful, tell them to produce a discourse like this. Now this could be a challenge to producing the entire Quran You know that was revealed at the time. Okay, bring some other Quran like it. Allah keeps it general. Okay, bring another Quran like it. Bring some other discourse like this. So this was the beginning of that, right? This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala challenging them, right? As part of that miracle, right? Produce something like it. You guys are very arrogant and very boastful, very confident, right? And have a lot of pride in your ability to speak. You have these amazing people who speak and who give sermons. You know, th that was a time for sermons. They, were, they, were, they had some of the most eloquent sermonizers. They would stand and they could rally a crowd. They could rile them up. You know, they could invigorate them and they could take them to war. That's how powerful their speech was, right? Many speeches have that aspect, but the Arabs, you know, they really, really, you know, did this well. They took it to a huge extent. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now declaring at the, you know, on the tongue of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi they should do that. Unfortunately, they were not able to. They just could not produce anything like it. They were just dumbstruck. They were like, what is this thing? He speaks the same language as us. We're, we're family. We're from the same tribe. You know, it's the same tribe. He can't speak like this. He didn't know how to speak like this. Where is he getting this from? Literally, it's like that. Imagine a cousin of yours, somebody in your family, right, who speaks just like you and then suddenly one day he comes and he is speaking on some other level. You're going to think, what, what happened? Now here, obviously, they could have gone and done a course or you know, had a teacher, whatever. Now, in Medina Munawara, you could tell who's doing what. It's a small community, Makkah Mukarramah. You could tell, you knew their families, right? They were, they, were, they were not online, you know, that you could go into a room and study something online, nobody's the wiser. You couldn't even leave the town without people checking and knowing that you're there. It was just an open place, right? The lives were very much external. They knew he'd not studied by anybody. In fact, he did not even know how to read and write. Couldn't have read a book. And then he's coming with this thing that they just, they can't get their head around it. This is the main point. Keep this in mind. They could not get their head around it. They just could not comprehend how he can speak like this. And, okay, one is that maybe he's speaking like something that another person can speak like, right? No, he, he's speaking in a way that nobody can do this. You know, because they know their capability. They know their capability. Right? You know you know that the capability of car is to go from 0 to 60, you know, minimum number of seconds. And somebody does it even faster than that. How does he do that? 
there's no rocket propellers there's nothing in there it's just how does how can you literally it's like a physicist would tell you that's impossible and this is a person of language saying this is impossible this is not something that a human can produce it's just too beyond the human ability how can you do this so it wasn't just that Muhammad sallallahu didn't know how to read in the first place and now he's doing that, but it's something that nobody can even challenge him on. Now I'm really stressing this point because I want you to really understand what this is. You know, because I mean, it will take you a very long time to study Arabic and then, you know, compare different Arabic pieces from different people. You know, the best of the Arabic literature pieces from the best of the Arab writers and then to read it from the Quran, then you see the difference. That's going to take you a long time. So I'm trying to explain to you what this is all about. For those of you, especially who can't appreciate that directly. It was n number one, it was coming from the Prophet ﷺ who they knew, you know, wasn't like that before. And now he's speaking like this, right? He's not like that in his normal speech. That's not what he says all the time. The person was eloquent, but not to that level, you know, of the Quran. The Quran is a level above the Prophet's hadith, obviously, right? And they just couldn't match it. They could not match it. After that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can say, reduced the challenge from bring a discourse exactly like it or like it to this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now says in Surah Hud, verse 13 and 14, for those of you who want to check it out. أَمْ يَقُولُونَ افْتَرَى قُلْ فَأْتُوا بِعَشْرِ سُوَرٍ مِثْلِهِ مُفْتَرَيَاتٍ وَادْعُوا مَنِ اسْتَطَعْتُمْ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ Or do they say that he made it up? He fabricated this. He just made this up. Then say to them, okay, you bring 10 surahs like it. Forget the whole Quran. Bring two, 10 surahs like it. Any size, 10 surahs. Right? Made up, fabricated, and produced from yourself. And if you want, you know, call. Besides Allah, you can call whoever you want to help you. Do it as a group effort. You know, call Walid ibn Mughira and all the other great uh, Imra'ul Qais and all the others who could, who could write well. Bujayr ibn Zuhayr and all the rest of them and do it together if you're truthful do it. it's open produce it anywhere you use the supercomputers of the world there were no computers of that time but use whatever's at your disposal literally that's the challenge even today that's the challenge use the supercomputers because this is still a challenge it's not just to them it's to us as well but if they cannot respond to you now you see the Quran itself is saying do this then the Quran itself is saying, Allah is saying, if they cannot respond to this, فَعْلَمُوا then know that أَنَّمَا أُنزِلَ بِعِلْمِ اللَّهِ that this has been revealed through the knowledge of Allah. If you can't produce it, then just know this. Otherwise, you know, why are you seeking some other explanation that it's magic or it's that? Or it's that. You do the magic. Go to the magicians and do that magic and produce it. This is from Allah. Just know that. Because there is no God except Allah. There is no God except Allah. Now will you submit? So again, that was the next challenge. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it even easier for them if they could do it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now in Surah Yunus, in verse 38, Allah says, Again, it always starts off, Do they say that this has just been fabricated? Now you bring one surah like it. And again, same thing. Call whoever you like. Besides Allah, call whoever you like to assist you. The Prophet ﷺ remained in Makkah Mukarramah for 13 years with this challenge on their head. Right? It was an open challenge. They all knew about it. 
And on top of that, the Muslims are very few in number and they are weak, they're subjugated, they, they have to be secretive, right? They can't meet openly and things like that in Makkah Mukarramah because they were being persecuted, all right? And, but remember, the verses were still coming down. These were not the only verses of the Qur'an that had come down, that had been revealed. There were many other verses which were revealing things to them. And they, you know, one is that you got some verse and it's now finished. So you kind of forget about it. No, there's fresh verses coming down, right? Days, in the days, in the weeks, there's fresh verses coming down. And they're just like, wow, that's the new verse. What is it? Secretly inside, they're just amazed by it. Maybe they're even looking forward to the next installment right but they don't want to believe because of other reasons it's not easy for people to always believe you know today culture is so powerful that it doesn't allow you to do the truth people go against dictates of islam despite claiming to be muslims because of their culture culture is the most one of the most powerful forces in your life and if it's debilitating then a person is in big trouble may allah uh, allow us to benefit from our cultures and not be debilitated by them because there's some very good points in cultures but there's some bad points in cultures as well so the Quran is constantly revealing this to kind of show them that look this is same your language your language and it is taunting them almost in a sense mocking them right that you can't produce it and that becomes very clear for everybody who sees this we're not there at the time right but we can tell that um, the, it was just becoming clear there's a new installment I can't produce anything like get your experts they can't do anything like this their hearts are understanding this their ears are listening to this and after that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just clinches it so there's another verse after this right where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just tells them that you listen you're just never going to be able to do this so just believe so remove your obstinacy get rid of your stubbornness you're not going to be able to do this this is in verse 88 of surah al-isra allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says qul la in ijtama'atil insu wal jinnu ala an ya'tu bi mithli hadhal qur'ani la ya'tuna bi mithlihi walaw kana ba'dhuhum li ba'dhin zahira say to them go say to them ya muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam that if the Forget you guys, forget your tribe, forget just the Arabs. But if the whole human race, along with the jinn race, were to come together and gather together to try to produce the like of this Quran, they would not be able to do so. Allah said, forget about trying to bring it. Forget, like, bring it. You're not going to be able to do so. Now, imagine you're an enemy and you're being told you can't do this. Just, just imagine you're the enemy. Right, Na'udhu Billah. And you're being told this now. You can't do anything like it. Now you already know deep down you can't because this is not human. And you know that. You know, your experts know that. Imagine how bad you're gonna feel. And I'm really trying to show you the emotion of the time of how big an impact, how massive an impact, and how enormous this Quran was in terms of what it did for them. It was the biggest miracle. Right? Everything else could be explained in a some sense. The Quran could not be explained. Allah says, even if you help one another, you just won't be able to do so. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala carries on in another place in the Quran, Surah Al-Baqarah now, right? Uh, verse 23, verse 24. 
فاتقوا النار التي وقودها الناس والحجارة وعدت للكافرين Now remember that non-Muslims are listening to these verses because they would want to listen sometimes or they were told by others and so on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then the Prophet is being told to tell them anyway. So this one now verse says and it wraps it all up. He says, if you are in any doubt regarding what we have revealed upon our, our servant, you got any doubt about the Quran, then produce a surah like it. Right? So that same aspect, like just produce one surah like it. And call your witnesses, besides Allah, if you're truthful, you know, for this. If you cannot do this, Allah says, If you cannot do this, And you will never be able to do it. That's added as well. You can't do it, you're never going to be able to do it. And this is not just being said like to people just to kind of chide them. You're never going to be able to do it. Right, you're miserable, you're never going to be able to do it, and then a guy does it. No, it was not like that. It's Allah saying, You will never be able to achieve this. So, if that's the case, protect yourself from the fire whose fuel are people and stones, which has been prepared for the disbelievers. So, they couldn't do it, and they didn't do it. Now, what's, what's so interesting for us in all of this about the point of the one surah? Now, these are the five verses or so which discuss the challenge directly. Otherwise, every verse is a challenge in a sense. It's a sign of the Prophet in terms of its language, in terms of not just in terms of his language and the way it's articulated, but also in terms of its contents. The Prophet is speaking about things. We're going to discuss all of that as to how the Quran is a mu'ajizah. We're going to discuss that later. But there's one point I want to end with today. So, how much of the Qur'an is now inimitable? I think I've explained to you before, I alluded to this before. There's some verses which are, uh, which are very short. Mudhammatan. Thumma nazar. Right? Abasa wa tawalla. It's just two words, two verbs put together. Somebody could do that. Somebody could produce that. So, how much of it is the challenge? How much is it that they cannot reproduce? So what does Allah say? The minimum, he says, is one surah. First, he said, you know, the, something entirely like it, then ten surahs. The last one is one surah. What is the shortest surah in the Quran? This is what the ulama have understood from this, that the amount which they cannot produce is the size of the shortest surah, which is, About three, four words. فَصَلِّلِ رَبِّكَ وَنْحَرْ إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ هُوَ الْأَبْتَرِ It's about 10-15 words in there of the shortest surah. So what they've said is that the amount which is inimitable, the amount which is uncomparable, unmatchable, is the size of a small surah. Less than a surah somebody could produce, basically. Right? Like one short ayah somebody could produce, like mudha, matan, thummanadhar, and so on. They could do that. But if it's a short surah, they can't. Now take the size of this surah, and if there's a long verse which is the similar size to this, then they couldn't produce that either. So anything which is the size of the shortest surah, which is inna a'tainakal but these 10-15 words, any other verse which is to that size, they would not be able to produce either. That because that is the minimum. Likewise, if there's three other verses somewhere else, right, which are the size of this, like for example, Abasa wa Tawalla, Jaahul Ama, Wama Yudrika Laallahu Yazaka, 
probably that much, if it matches the same number of words as in that Atayna Kalkawthar, they would not be able to produce the like of that. They would not be able to string together. They could do it, but it's never going to be as beautiful. It's never going to be as comprehensive. It's not going to have the same qualities as the Quran has using the best of words. And when I open this up for you further, you will start appreciating and you will wish to learn Arabic. Believe me. When, when we open this up further, we, this is just an introduction today. Believe me, this is just an introduction. This is a major subject of the Quran, right? A major topic of the Quran, the Ijaz. How is the Quran a miracle, right? We want to really open this up for you. So today was just a basic introduction. But you will, when you get to the end of this, I, I would say you will feel like, why don't I study Arabic? Why didn't I study Arabic? Right? And if you know Arabic, you will start to look at this because when I did this, when I first got this, it was amazing. Right? It was amazing. And I was like, I need to study more of this. People like Sheikh Anwar Shah Kashmir will spend the whole one whole day, each day of Ramadan, just looking at this Balagha aspect this jazz aspect of the Quran in just one juz. From morning or from night to the next iftar, he would just spend on one juz of the Quran just figuring out how it's a miracle like that. That's how amazing it is and so much is there still to be discovered. So I explained to you, the shortest amount that is the challenged amount is not one small verse or two small, it's actually the size of inna atayna kalka. So you got another verse like, الَّذِينَ يُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةَ وَيُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةَ وَهُمْ بِالْآخِرَةِ هُمْ كَافِرُونَ That is mu'jiz. That much, because that's the size of inna a'tayna kal or bigger. Or you got a few short verses like وَالتُّورُ وَكِتَابٍ مَسْتُورُ فِي رَكِّمْ مَنْشُورُ وَالْبَيْتِ الْمَعْمُورُ وَالسَّقْفِ الْمَرْفُوءُ You know, that's going to be mu'jiz. That's going to be inimitable. This is just the one aspect of it. That to create something like this, that is the size of it. So less than that, no, right? Um... Uh, but there are so many other aspects of the mu'jiza of the Quran in terms of what it reveals. And I revealed, I talked about some of this in the last year's uh, 30, uh, you know, Jews in 30 days, which uh, I hope you're uh, also benefiting from, inshallah, right, alongside with this. But anyway, we end here today. We've gone a bit over time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. Tomorrow we carry on with this and we start getting into the more specifics, inshallah, of it, hopefully tomorrow as well. It is a bit of a big subject, but it's an amazing aspect of it. And there's so many books written on this subject, especially more of late. You know, people have started writing a lot more about it because it's just amazing, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Keep us in your du'as, especially during these last 10 nights. They're going fast. They're going fast. May Allah accept from us and make these nights and these days better than the ones before it. And this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.